Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Rivers of Living Water is here to turn our thirsty world into a Garden of Eden, freely pouring out the Word of God to our desolate world. Now, here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Thanks for joining us today. We're glad to have you with us. We're going to be looking at several Bible verses as usual. So grab yourself a Bible and let's uh, look through the Bible verses today. And, and what we're going to be talking about is lost and found. And so uh, have you ever been lost in some particular strange situation? And you might get a little worried about it. And, you know, I've heard of people who have been lost in dangerous places, but you can just get lost about anywhere these days, can't you? And uh, sometimes when you're lost, you think you're doing all right, and all at once you look up and you say, well, this is not where I really want to be. So there is this thing of being lost that can be very uncomfortable. The world of people are very uncomfortable in many situations because they're lost from God. Now, being lost from, you know, where we're going or something like that, that doesn't have everlasting difficulty tied in with it. But when we're lost from God, that can be a very terrible situation indeed. That can be not only with this life, but it can be with the next life too. And if we're really lost from God, then we can get very quickly out of touch with reality as it really is and get involved in some things that are really not the way they ought to be for us. So the only way to get back to where God wants us is to go to the operation manual and go to the compass and go to the direction book and get back. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go to the direction book, the operation manual, and we're going to first of all find out what it really means to be lost, and then we're going to go on to show how to be found, and after that we're going to uh, help you the best we can to get back. Now, the Bible teaches us in Isaiah 53, so uh, if you got your Bible, turn to Isaiah 53, and it in about uh, verse number 3, let's start out there. And this is talking about Jesus. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our sorrows and carried, uh, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our, our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. Now the next verse is the one that talks about being lost. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. So regardless of who we are, um, basically we're born lost. We're born away from God. And so we have to have a way of getting back to God. And I read to you the way that God has provided of getting us back as well. So we'll, we want to talk about this today, how that God wonderfully helped us to get back. 
I heard a, uh, you've heard these stories about people who thought they were doing great and they turned around and found out they wasn't. Sometimes we think we're doing just great and we really don't need any help. And so we'd rather not anyone to tell us the kind of help that we need. And that's kind of our nature is to want to think that we're not lost, that we know where we're at, we know where we're going, especially if we're kind of the kind of people that are goal-driven. You, you know what I mean? We have goals that we're going to go to. We see the goal. We know where it's at. And and so we're really not lost. We're, we're going to get there. Uh, we've got the way to get there. Now, that's not so bad when we're in business. But when we think that way in our spiritual life, then we really are in trouble because we might think we're getting to the goal and we end up, when we get there, we find out it was the wrong goal. And but and the only way we're going to really find out whether it's the right one or not is to have it pointed out to us. If we're so badly lost that we don't think we're lost, then we have to have someone or something happen to us to show us that there is, we really are lost. Now, just being lost is one thing, but the beautiful part about it is that it, when we are lost, we can be found again, and we can find our way again. And when you're looking at a map and or maybe you're not looking at the map, but uh, the one that's riding with you in a car is, and you're driving down the road and you think you're on the right way, and the person next to you says, according to the map, it looks like we're going in the wrong direction. And you can do one of two things. You can say, well, thanks for telling me that, and uh, which way do I need to go? And you can turn around and go the right way and get on the right path again, so to speak, or you can say, no, there must be something wrong with the map because I know that I'm doing just great. And there are many people who would like to tear apart the Bible. They would like to say, well, I'm doing all right. It's, it's that Bible, that, it's that uh, book that you call the operation manual, the one that you call the guide map, that's the one that's all messed up. And we proceed to tell why it's messed up, and and so on and so forth. But when a person is lost, their their mind isn't exactly in the right place. And the Bible teaches us that too. It says that our our mind and our conscience is not where it ought to be, and and uh, so we can fool ourselves into thinking, well, I'm a pretty good person, and and therefore I'm doing all right, and. I don't need uh, to do any better than I am, and well, you might even say I can't do any better than I can than I am. I'm doing the very best that I can, and so I'm not really lost. So before we can really be found, we have to realize that we're lost, and that is really the sometimes the hardest thing that we can come into that we can realize is that we're lost. But once we realize that we're lost, then the thing is, how do I get found? So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about lost and found. And so being lost is one thing, but being found is something else. So we want to talk about these kind of things because they are so important today. Because when we really get found and when we really get back in the right place, we're amazed at how wonderful that right place really is. And we really ask ourselves, why did I stay in this lost condition so long? Why didn't I find this earlier? And I've never found anyone yet. And I've been... Uh, I've pastored for several years and 
and been a Christian for several years, I've never found one yet that said, I sure wish that I could stay back in that lost condition. They've been so happy to be found because the one that finds us is such a wonderful person and is so much determined that life is going to be the very best that it can for us. And so when we're really found by the Lord Jesus, by God, and really we're not really lost as far as God is concerned because he knows exactly where we're at, but he wants us to be in a a relationship with him so that uh, we're not going against him and, and walking in the wrong direction, but that we're on the right way with him and and uh, we're his friend rather than turning around and being his enemy. And so we're going to be talking more about these things in the rest of our program as we go along, but I'm just kind of giving you a, a uh, basis to stand on for the rest of our program. And it'll get better because you're going to not only find out that you're you're lost, but you're also going to be able to find out how you can be gloriously saved and that what that turns out to be afterwards when you really get away from the lost condition and you get into that condition of being found. And uh, you know the thing is that God is looking around. He's seeking those who are lost. He's not seeking those who think they're all right. Because there's not much you can do with a person if they think that they're okay and until they really realize there must be something better in life. Have you ever thought that? Or if you're really a Christian today and, and you've been found by the Lord, then you know what I'm talking about. But if you're not, have you ever thought there must be something better to life than what I have? There must be something more important it must not just be this drag and and this seeming like that everything is going wrong and nothing is going right and this kind of thing there must be a purpose to life that i haven't found yet and if they haven't found that purpose then this is really a miserable life indeed but i want you to know that there is a purpose and that if you feel lost today then you're in a good position to really have the best thing that could happen to you. The, you know, sometimes when we're, we're in this lost condition, we might be utterly confused and think, well, there isn't anything any better than this, but there is. There's plenty better than what you have today. So I just, we've uh, done our introduction and this, so we're ready for our first break. This is Howard Eugene Wright on Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. Now, more Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. We've... uh, In the first part of our program, we've kind of laid the foundation to show that uh, the lost condition is pretty bad, and yet there is a way of being found. We're talking about being lost and found. And, you know, uh, we can get lost in a number of different ways. And the Bible talks about that, too. And I encourage you in the first part to get your Bible so... Now let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 15, and let's find out some ways that that, uh, a person can be lost. So, uh, like I said, we've got to realize that we're lost before we can get found. Think about, you've got a cell phone, and that cell phone, uh, you know, everyone likes cell phones today. So you lay your cell phone down, and you rash off, and... And uh, there it is laying. And you come back to get it. You finally realize where you put it. And you come back to get it and it's not there. So one of two things happens. Someone else saw it and they got it. 
or someone got it and they put it in the lost and found department so that you can go over there and and get your cell phone back. The cell phone is yours, even though someone else got it. It was still your cell phone. You never told them that they could have it. So if they took that cell phone, even though you had forgot and left it lay there, it still was your cell phone, but you lost it. You you don't have it. So that's kind of the way it is with the Lord. We laid ourselves down, <clears throat> and what did we do? There's, we find in this uh, Bible verse here, <clears throat> excuse me, we find uh, three di- <clears throat> got something in my throat on. Sorry about that. <clears throat> we'll get that out of there so I can talk a little better. Um, three different ways of being lost. And one way is we just kind of walk away. We just are not thinking about it. We're just enjoying what we're doing and and we get farther and farther away from where we really want to be, and we look up all at once, we find out, well, how did I get here? So it's, it's just kind of wandering, like the sheep in this particular first, uh, chapter, and starting at verse number 3 there, it talks about the sheep that wandered away from the fold and got lost that way. And it's possible for us to just kind of be thinking about life, and we don't take time to read our Bible. We don't take time to pray. Uh, we don't take time to do the things that we know we should be doing for God, and so we turn up being lost. We just kind of wandered away from it. And then there's another way of, of being lost, and that's the woman that had the coins. She had ten coins, and that starts in... Verse number 8 of this chapter, it talks about the woman that lost one of the coins. She had ten of them, but she lost one. In each one of these instances, this is showing about how God lost uh, one of them, and there was others that were still in the fold with the sheep, and there was others that the woman had possession of, but she lost one. Every one of them is important. To God, everyone is important. He might have 99 sheep that's in the fold, but if one of them is lost, he's going to be out there looking for that one. The same way with the instance with the woman. She had nine of them, but she was looking for that one. God is interested in each one of us individually. He is concerned that we all be found, that we all be with him, because he is able to do the very best for it. So we find that kind of situation happening. And like I told you, we're, we're born lost. So if we've never gotten to the place where we've been found and we think that we're okay, then uh, that's not the way that it really is. We're lost at the beginning. And so we have a third situation here that people can be lost, and that is we just don't want to be found. And so in the first two instances, it wasn't necessarily the person's fault that got lost. The sheep wandered away. He wasn't thinking about getting lost. The coin didn't have anything to do with it. It just the other person lost it. But in the last instance here, the third one, the son, and we refer to this as a prodigal son, he knew where he was going. He, he got tired of his father's house. How many people have got tired of, of God? And I don't know of very many that really would, but every once in a while, people look on the other side of the fence and they think that that is better than what they've got, and and everyone seems to be more free over there, and they can do more than what you can do, and it seems to be so constrictive and everything, and I want to go out and see what the rest of the world's like. That would not be advisable, because there's a lot 
of things out there in the world that if you don't have the God of the Bible to help you through some of those things, it's not going to be a pretty picture. And you know what I'm talking about if, if you're in that position today. But I want you to know that if you are, you don't have to stay there. But the, the prodigal son comes to his father and he says, I want my inheritance. I, I want what belongs to me. You know, the truth of the matter is nothing really belongs to us. We're, we don't bring anything into this world and we're not going to take anything out of this world as far as, as uh, thinking that that one's mine. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take my own life and I'm going to run it the way that I want to. Well, the truth of the matter is if you put a you in there, it, it turns out to be ruined. And so you don't run it, you ruin it. And so many people have ruined their lives and they think there's no hope now. There's no need to try to get back to God because I've messed this thing up so badly. God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Well, don't think that either because God is a wonderful uh, God and he does want to have something to do with you. And no doubt he's out there looking for you. But on the sense of the prodigal son, the father did not go after him because the son had to come to himself. <clears throat> We're different than just a coin or a sheep. We have a will of our own and we can determine what we're going to do with our life. So we have to come to ourselves before we go back to the Father's house, like the prodigal son did. So when you get a chance, sit down and read this chapter, and you'll see the various ways that this you can be lost. And people are lost today. That's the reason why that our world is in such a mess that it's in, because they're away from God. They're out of God's hand. And this kind of a thing in their life, and therefore, it's a pitiful condition that most people are in today. The Bible tells us that only few people really find the right way. And uh, if you're one of those few people, then you're blessed indeed, and, and you know what I'm talking about right now. But the prodigal son had a way that he went down, and he had a way that he came back up. And his first thing was, I'm tired of living in my father's house. I'll go and, and live somewhere else. So it says that the father gave him his inheritance, and the son took his inheritance, what he had, and he went to a strange place. If we're away from God, that's a strange place because God has made us in such a way that the real place is with him. And if we're somewhere else, it's a pretty strange place that we're in. And strange things can happen to us. So we need to get to the place where we're not in that strange place. He was in the right place, all right, but he didn't realize it. Many people who have been raised up in Christian homes and they've been sheltered from a lot of things in the world, they get, sometimes they'll get in their mind, well, there must be something out there in the world that I'm missing and I want to get out there and find out what it is. This is what this boy was thinking, probably. He'd been in the house of his loving father and and had all of his needs supplied to him and everything was doing great but he thought well maybe there's something out there that i'm missing i want you to know right now that it probably isn't that way but he went out there and find, trying to find out what he was missing and he finally found out it wasn't all that good after all and but the nice thing is this story does have a happy ending and uh we're coming up on the uh, break pretty soon, so I, I just want to, you to know that, that there is a happy ending to this story, and actually there's a happy ending to all three of these. And so uh, regardless of how lost you are and 
regardless of how long you've been lost, I want you to know that that God is looking for you, and he knows where you're at, and he's trying to help you to know where you're at. And when you find out where you're at, and you start heading toward your father's house again, then wonderful things happen. So don't miss the next segment, because we're going to start showing you those wonderful things and and how you can get back in, in the trail that you need to be with God. We're at the end of our second break, so this is Howard Eugene Wright. I'm hosting Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. We've been talking about lost and being found. And so we've been doing a lot about showing you how that you're found. And so we're going to now talk about how you can be come back to the place where uh, you're found. And uh, let me read one more thing to you before we get into the found part to if you think that you're not lost and uh, realize that God is a holy God, that he demands uh, certain things out of us, and he demands that we live a, a holy life, that we live a life separated from the world, the flesh, and the devil, that we live a morally clean life, that uh, we we need to have a life that loves God with all of his our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we're we're not uh, trying to get everything for ourselves, but we're willing to reach out and be an honor and a blessing to God, and and being a a blessing to other people, and and to live the kind of life that is respectable, that uh, is decent, and these kind of this kind of life that we live is beyond what we can live by ourselves, that we need help from God himself. Now, we can live a morally good life, and many people are doing that, and I did before I was found by the Lord. And unless the Lord find us, we, we just go right on thinking we're all right many times until we, we find ourselves uh, in a very disastrous situation and wonder how we got there sometime. But let's just go through a few Bible verses. And this one's in Romans chapter 3. And it starts at at uh, verse number 9. And it says, What then are we better than they? And it's talking about, Are the Jews better than the rest of the people? And he says, No and no wise. For we have proved both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. Sin is what causes us to be lost. That's the driving force in our lives that takes us in the wrong direction, that pulls us the wrong way. Then it goes on in verse 10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one, not one of us, not a single one of us is is the righteousness that God wants us to have. Then he goes on to say, There is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. So there's no one that really understands, truly understands their lost condition or is seeking after God because they think they're all right. Then says, uh, They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that does good. No, not one. Again, no, not one. And then it says, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongue, they have used deceit. The poison of ass, and that's a snake, the poison of ass is under their lips. 
Next verse. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Have you ever noticed that? Their feet are swift to run to blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may believe, become guilty before God. So that includes everyone. We're all guilty before God. And we got to realize that. And we go down to verse 23. It says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is selfishness. And with that comes pride and, and envy and, and a hateful spirit and so on like that. Now, some people are more prone to that than others, but how many sins do you have to do to be a sinner anyway? It only takes one, doesn't it? How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? How many times do you have to commit adultery to be an adulterer? And on and on it goes. How many times do you have to disobey your parents for you to be a rebellion a rebellious child. And so uh, it's important that we realize that all are lost. So like they used to say, join the crowd. You're you're just uh, like the rest of them. But that is not a good place to be. So we want to start talking about how we get found. We've spent uh, considerable time on being lost because we got to realize that we're lost before we can really get found. So what is it? We found out that people are really so lost that they don't realize they're lost, and and uh, things might get worse and worse for them, and they wonder why. And yet, uh, unless God intervenes for us, unless God takes the first step toward us, we're never going to be found in the condition that we're in. It's just like that cell phone I was telling you about. That that cell phone, if it's in the lost and found department, if you never go to the lost and found department to get your cell phone, it'll lay there until mold gets on it. And you'll never have that cell phone again. And I heard this story about a a, a boy that had made a boat, and he thought that boat was really something. So he would take it out on the the river, and he would uh, sail his boat. And one time the boat got away from him and went down the river, and he couldn't get the boat. So it was lost. So he comes, and he's walking down the town square there, and he looks in a store, and he sees displayed in the showcase of the store, there's a boat. He looks closely at the boat, and he says, well, that's my boat. But it was his boat. But someone else found it, and they sold it to this pawn shop. And so the pawn shop owner has got the boat out there displaying it. So the boy goes in, and he says, that's my boat. And the Owner says, not anymore. That's my boat. I bought it. He says, well, how can I get it back? He says, well, you're going to have to buy it back. I've got it displayed out there, and you're going to have to buy it back. Even though it was his boat, he had to buy it. And so the boy goes and finds all the money that he can, and he he gets the money, and he buys the boat back. And as he's walking out the door, he says, this boat is mine twice. I I built the boat, and I bought the boat back. Well, that's kind of the way it is with the Lord. The Lord is our creator, and he enjoyed fellowship with us in the beginning. Adam and Eve would be, was in a garden. That was our first parents. And Jesus... Uh, 
would really would be Jesus, came at the cool of the day, at the beginning of the day, and he would have sweet fellowship with Adam and Eve and probably would tell them things, and, and they were just doing so well together. But then the devil came along and tripped up Adam and Eve, and they went away from God. So God had to do something to bring them back, to get them back. He had to pay a price in order to get them back. Even though he had created them, and there was a time when he was enjoying fellowship with them, they, he had to buy them back. And that's exactly what God has done for us. We were lost, and lost in sin. And we refer to sin as sin's dark night, because it's such a dark place to be. And God wants us to be in the light of his presence. He wants us to be in the light of his love. He wants us to know him in a personal way. He wants to take us through the different problems and difficulties we have in life. He wants to be a friend that sticks even closer than a brother. He he has this desire, and he walked by, and he saw that we were in a deplorable condition. And so what did he do? He sent the very best that he had because he wasn't just going to give the leftovers in order to bring us back to him. He was going to do the very best, give us the very best because he thought so much of us. As a matter of fact, in one place he said, if we would gain the whole world and lose our own soul, what have we really gained? We've gained nothing. If we end up in a devil's hell, what have we really gained? We can have all the world's goods that we want, and we can have all the fame and everything else. But if we're lost from God, it's just for a moment. None of us live forever. None of us will live forever. We might call ourselves the immortals, and we might think that we're going to live forever. But the Bible tells us that it's appointed unto men once to die, and then after that comes the judgment. And in the same sense, Jesus came to pay the price so we don't have to go through that judgment. So that's, you know, it, it seems so simple, doesn't it? When you think of it that way, is that really complicated? It, in the same way that you lost your cell phone, you had to go back and get it. What if someone else had it? And they said, well, if you want to buy the phone, I'll, I'll give it back to you. And so you pay maybe twice what you, what you had uh, paid for it the first time in order to get it back because you wanted it. Or uh, the boy with the boat, maybe he paid twice what it cost him to pay to get the, uh, to build the boat, and yet he got the boat back and he was satisfied again. You get your cell phone back, you're satisfied again. God gets you back, and he's very much pleased again. God wants you to be in his loving care today. And if you are willing to let him be that, then you can be found. Now, in the next part of our segment, we're going to show you exactly how God did that, and and you'll be able to uh, find out that it's nothing complicated you have to do, and uh, you'll be able to do it. So uh, we're ready for um, our last break here. This is uh, Howard Eugene Wright hosting Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Let's get back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. God's desire for us to be with him. Now, consider the God that I'm talking about. He is the ruler of the universe. He knows everything. He's everywhere. And he loves us very much. And we have a God that is able to do more than we can even ask or think. And we have one that really genuinely cares for us. And when we know him 
in the way that I'll be telling you pretty shortly, then we are on the right path to seeing some things happen in our lives that we never thought could. I don't care what kind of a condition that you're in now, regardless of what you've done. I I know of people who have bombed themselves with drugs and and things like this, and they've lived a pretty miserable life, and they think God will never want to have me. Well, that's not the case. God does want you, and he wants to do the best for you. And some people say, well, I just don't want God controlling my life. Well, if God's not controlling your life, what is controlling your life? Wouldn't it be better if you had someone who loved you and and had your best interest that that came that you might have life and have abundant life and was able and was willing to do the very best uh, for you that could possibly be done rather than uh, if you've already messed it up, then why continue to mess it up? And you might say, well, I'm just not worthy to be uh, a, a friend of someone like that. Well, you are. And like I told you before, we've all been like sheep that have gone astray. We've everyone turned from his own uh, from God's way to our own way and things like this. So you're just as important as anyone else, regardless of how far you think you've gone. Uh, as a matter of fact, you might be better off than someone that thinks that they're doing great. If you think that that uh, I've just sinned so much and I've just been so miserable and I knew better and I went out and done it anyway and I don't think God wants to talk to me, that isn't the case at all. Oh, God does want you, and he does love you. He's he's, uh, like that boat that I was telling you about that the boy had, that uh, he has paid the price, and it was quite a price. Um, I don't know how much you know about the Bible, but do you know in the Old Testament they had what they called the mercy seat, and the mercy seat could only be approached by the high priest. They had priests back there in those days. They had uh, what they called a Levitical priesthood. And th- those priests were uh, ones that attended to the high priest. And uh, so every year this high priest would go in and he would um, put blood on the altar and he would uh, intercede for the whole nation of Israel. and But the mercy seat had uh, what they called seraph or angels, one on one end and one on the other end. And I saw something that really excited me uh, just recently, and that is when Jesus rose from the grave and Mary, Madeline, uh, Mary Magdalene was there, and she was all upset because Jesus wasn't in the grave, and she thought someone had taken him away for sure. She didn't realize that he had rose from the grave. But she looks down into the grave. Apparently the grave was down, uh, and she looked down there, and there was an angel at his foot, and there was an angel at his head. And the the Lord took a grave, and Jesus rose from the grave. And he made that grave the mercy seat. And it wasn't two gold images on one end and on the other, and God met in the middle. But God has now meets us through the risen Savior, through the risen Lord, through the Lord Jesus Christ, who rose from the grave. And there are many indications that that happened. There are others who have professed to have raised from the grave. But you go to their grave and you dig it up, and if they haven't been gone too long, you'll find some bones there and maybe a few, uh, some hair or what have you. But you'll not find that at Jesus' grave. Jesus rose from the grave. And because he rose, that showed that he has the power to do what he promised. He said that... that. Um, he, was the, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. He's the intercessor. 
that he's the only intercessor we have. He's the one that goes between us and God, the Father. And yet, uh, God's not angry at us. He's the one that gave us the Son. The Bible tells us in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if we believe this, if we really accept God's offer, if then we can know him in a wonderful way. So I want you to look at Romans 5. We'll go through that a little bit. And uh, we'll find out just how much God really loved us and how much he's willing to take us. If we're willing to turn from the way that we're living, we're willing to turn from our lost condition and let Jesus be our Savior, we can have a real relationship with God that we will know about, that we'll see the transformation in our life. There are so many uh, programs, rehabilitation programs, that just don't work. But I'll guarantee you this one will. If you've tried a lot of rehabilitation programs and you found out that you just keep slipping back into the same old way, I want you to know that this one will work, that this one will help you to rehabilitate your life in a wonderful way, and you'll have a friend that will be right there with you all the time. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 here, and uh, let's start with verse number Let's start with number six. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So we didn't have the strength to help ourselves. So Jesus came and he died for us. And what a miserable death he died. He, But he died for the ungodly. He didn't die for those people that thought that they were all right and didn't need God. The people that called for his crucifixion. He didn't die for those people. He called. He died for the lost sheep. He died when we were ungodly, when we were out of sorts with God. And it goes on farther and it says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. So there's some people, if they're a good person, you know, we have these people that, uh, our bodyguards, and they would die with their life for for someone that they consider to be a good person. And it, but he says, in this case, but God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We was anywhere except being a good man or a good woman or a good boy, a good girl. We were far from that. And yet, Jesus came and died for us. Again, he died for us. But he didn't, like I told you, he didn't stay there. God made that grave the mercy seat for us. And then we see in the next verse, it says, Moreover, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So everyone that doesn't know the Lord is under God's wrath. But when we come to him and we accept Jesus as our personal Savior, as simple as this may seem, you don't have to have a college education to do that, do you? Just anyone can do this because God wanted this for everyone. He didn't want you to have to go through some kind of rituals or whatever in order to get there. He opens it up for whosoever will. Uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that person will be saved. When you're saved, you're found. Just like that boy when he found his boat, the boat was saved from wherever it was going, and God saves it. And he goes on the next verse, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So the Lord gives us a new life. He makes, when we become 
children of God through the Lord Jesus Christ by accepting Jesus as our own personal Savior just uh, and turning away from our old life, being willing to go with the new life in Christ, then we are saved by his life. Jesus is alive today. He's up there interceding for us beside of the Father, and that's not very far away. And then he goes on and says in verse 11, And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement, or at oneness, is what the atonement means. That It means that we were once walking the way of the world, the flesh, and the devil, away from God. We turn around and we come to God, and then there is that oneness. We agree with God. We agree with God that we were sinners, that we needed a Savior. We agree with God that from this time on, I'm going to live a pure life. I'm going to live a, a life that my heart's going to be pure. My, my, I'm going to have a good conscience. I'm going to have a strong abiding faith. And I'm going to do the will of God from this time. And you'll be able to do so. And uh, continuing to read. Wherefore, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all are sinners. But And then it says, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. And it goes on like that. And uh, we're at the end of our program, and I appreciate you staying with us. And, and uh, you can... Uh, go to my website, which may be uh, international-lighthouse-ministries.com rather than deceitfulmasters.com and get the book that was last, The 14 Facets of Jesus' True Church, and you'll find an awful lot more from that. So this is Howard Eugene Wright, signing off uh, with Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com, uh, talk and the Lord willing, we'll see you next week. <laughs>